This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast, brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. And it's coming to you bright and early from Manchester, actually. We're live from Manchester, from the, uh, well, from the Ibis, from the hotel, the hotel lobby, as they say. And uh, yeah, we're in the hotel lobby the, the morning after, the night before, the night before we played Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium. And the bees went down 2-0. Or if you checked out the post-match podcast, actually, I actually put that they went down two-one. Because note to oneself: do not put podcasts up at four o'clock in the morning when you've come back after having a bit of a night on the beer. Anyway, my name's Billy Grant, and like I said, I'm sitting here in the chums. This is not the virtual joint. This is actually the joint. Like I said to you, I'm in the hotel lobby in Manchester after the night before, and I'm sitting here with the Liberal Nick. Liberal Nick, how are you? I'm very well, Bill. I'm very well. Went to bed couple of hours before you which was probably the right move I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so feeling absolutely chirpy I did I did notice actually you also switched on to alcohol free beer uh you snuck it in halfway through the night as well sensible liberal bee that's what you can call me (laughs) you know yeah yeah I'm not sure sensible is quite the word liberal that I would use for you but anyway (laughs) we should move on Uh, we got the cog in the house the south coast bee the cog who came all the way up to Manchester for the game last night. The Cog, how are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, thanks, Bill. You're looking a bit ropey there, the Cog, actually. Uh, yeah. you, did you have a few uh, sherbets? I did. Uh, yeah, left about two or something, so, uh, yeah. Nothing else to say, just... No, yeah, not, yeah. not as chirpy as Nick. You must struggle. You see, that's what alcohol-free beer does to you. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, my beer had no alcohol-free in it, actually. It was full of alcohol, <laughs> and I'm feeling as chirp as chirps it could be, even though I wasn't as chirpy last night, but we were talking about that anyway. But anyway, we're going to talk about the match, because we played Manchester City last night, and... Uh, I wouldn't say it didn't go according to plan because looking at the plan that we had, we only had one plan and that was to basically not let them win. And I suppose the fact that they won, um, it went according to their plan. But I think that, you know, we actually played quite, you know, I thought we played quite well. You know, I'm going to ask you, the Liberal, what's your main takeaways from that game? Main takeaway is I thought, yeah, we did play. We did play better than we have played in recent days, despite the defeat, or recent weeks, despite the defeat. And good positive was that our defence was much better last night as well. I mean, the two goals, you can't blame on our defence at all. And Jensen even managed to beat the first man a couple of times when we had corners. So, you know, things are looking up. Things are looking positive. Uh, The cook. Yeah, I mean, it was always going to be a tough game. I think we clearly went there to try and get a point. Uh, and we're living off scraps for most of the evening. But yeah, like Nick said, we were much better organised defensively, I think. At corners, that was really good to see. And there were one or two good performances as well. But, you know, we were clearly outclassed in in most uh, aspects of the game. I mean... Man City fan on the away um, oh well, on the post-match podcast said you know we basically didn't get out of second gear is what he said and, and, and do you think that's a fair assessment? I think that is I mean I think I think even if we had managed to get a goal City would have just gone up another gear uh, and, and got their third um, or fourth or fifth um, 
but but they are they are a marvelous team to watch. I mean, it's quite fun watching them uh, live and in person. I mean, <laughs> it's funny. I don't actually watch them too much on the television because I find it a bit boring because they are so good watching on the television. You almost know what the result is going to be. But but actually, when you see them in person, I mean, Sterling made some. The way he runs at angles is is, is magnificent to see. I thought um, I thought what was quite interesting. They experimented with having John Stones at right back last night, and he was quite good. Um, you know, he comes in for quite a lot of criticism. But and then at the end of the day, halfway through the second half, they bring on Jack Grealish, who they paid a hundred million for. You know, it just goes to prove that they are a different class. I thought I laughed. I saw this morning that Pep Guardiola, Tom Frank, had Thomas had praised uh, Man City as probably being one of the, the best team in the world, and Guardiola was trying to play that down and say, "No, Chelsea are or some South American team. Man City are the best league team I've ever seen play football, without a shadow of a doubt." Okay, and, and we went into that game obviously without. Ivan Tony, it was a bit of a shock for everybody again, you know, the, to be fair the, the club have been coming up with a few shocks, I mean they came up with a shock on Saturday when they put, you know, Raya and Josh De Silva into the team and that was completely out of the blue and then all of a sudden it's bang Ivan Tony is not playing on Saturday and that's also come completely out of the blue, uh, it, it didn't really help our, our situation at all, did it the cog? No it didn't you know, I think it was described as a minor calf injury so hopefully he won't be out for long but uh, he yeah, we, we, we certainly missed him we did miss him. I mean, miss him. But the fact is that you know, we had Salmon Godos in his place. Do you think that Salmon Godos actually? Um, uh, I mean, it's a difficult situation. You're in it against Manchester City. How did you think that he he fared in 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 the Tony? Well, up front. I thought I thought he did well. I mean, his touch at times was absolutely superb. He kind of played intelligently. I think he's clearly not got the pace that's going to trouble. He's never going to get in behind, but. Uh, and he linked up quite well at times with Jensen as well. So, yeah, I thought Godos did well last night. Uh, but I, I, I agree, agree, agree a bit with that. Although, I mean, you know, he's played in so many different positions this season, Godos, that I don't think we've ever seen him playing in the right one. A player who, I mean, we'll possibly move on to that, but um, a forward line of Godos and Canos doesn't work, I mean, no. quite clearly. And what slightly worries me is if... Ivan's calf injury doesn't clear up from from Saturday, for Saturday for the Palace game. What the attacking lineup will be, because um, yeah, I don't see I don't see what we put out last night. Godos and Canos being a forward player, being a forward line that would be uh, tried again. No, no thanks. Mm-hmm. So you know, don't know quite where we go from that. If if Ivan is still injured, okay. Um, and, and 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 the word is that he had a slight calf injury. We haven't actually, uh, we haven't, you know, we haven't gone for the feedback on that because basically we were out, we were drinking last night. You know, so we just put it behind us. So we haven't done our due diligence. We haven't done any research, and it is very early in the morning, like you know. So um, so, but you know, just sort of coming back to this, and I'm just sort of thinking about this because obviously there's a lot of chat because this is the first league match after the uh, winter break. This is the first league match after, to be honest with you, um, we let, we let um, Marcus Force go out on loan. There's a lot of people who are very angry that Marcus Force went out on loan because they're saying, why are we you know, letting a striker go out on loan if we haven't got a striker in? Is this now a sort of a prime example of, you know, we should have basically kept him because, you know, I'm of the, I'm of the thinking that, you know, Marcus Force doesn't seem to have a future at Brentford. And we need to kind of up his value as much as possible. And also, like I said to you, I think that he's marched into the director of football's office and said, listen, I need to play some football. And they've also thought we need to actually get him to play football. And, you know, him playing, you know, six, you know 20 minutes here, 50 minutes here, he might have played half a game today, he might have played the whole game today. But, you know, it's Manchester City and the chances of us winning that are kind of slight. Like I said to you, I think people, are, there's, there's two thoughts of mine here. There's a thought that, you know, do we just give up on matches like this? Do we go into matches where we just say, look, we're not going to win, so let's just kind of like, you know, let's not play Tony if, if he's got a slight niggle because we haven't got a chance of winning it anyway and we've got a better chance of winning against Palace. So let's play him and let's get him ready for Palace. Or is it a case that we need to kind of just basically have our guns loaded the whole time so Marcus Force should have stayed. You know, Ivan Tony, if it was just a slight niggle, he should have still played because we've always got a chance. I don't think any player ever goes out on the pitch and says, we haven't got a chance, we, we can't win this. And I'm certain Thomas Frank doesn't send out a team saying, we're not going to win this, so so let's uh, let, let's just play, you know, let, let's just play and experiment with the formation. However, 
um, it's that was the last game that we can do that this season. If if they did go out sort of thinking, well, let's try and experiment, let's rest a couple of players, let's not push anybody into a, into an injury, um, further further injury, then that's the last time it can happen this season. Um, Manchester City, yeah, you can probably say okay. On a good day, you might just scrape a draw with them, but you know it would have to be a very good day. There is no other team in the league who we cannot at least get a draw or beat now that we meet in in any of the fixtures. So I think you know, time for experiments is over. It's it's all going. If you're going back, if you if you look back at the forward line last night, I mean, I think you know probably it's Marcus Force. It could have, would have, should have. You know, I mean, who knows what what Marcus Force? Although he's a different player to Ivan Tony, and I'm not saying we're set up in the right way forever for for Marcus Force really to benefit from the way that Brentford plays. Although, ironically, possibly the arrival of Ericsson might have actually helped um, Marcus Force because of uh, because of the balls that, that he can play. However, so now we move on to Visa. I would start Visa on Saturday, but we'll come on to uh, we'll come on to that because I think actually he probably is with he probably is a good foil for. JDS, for instance, for the through balls that JC, JDS can, can play. Okay, so listen, we normally talk to an opposition fan. Uh, we spoke to a lot of opposition fans in the post match podcast. I'm going to ask you to listen to that. I'm proud of West.London because it's very, very interesting and it's good to hear them again because we're on the road now. We haven't had time to chop that up and give you a little section of that. So you're going to have to go back and listen to the whole lot. So go and check out the opposition takeaways and also the Brentford fan takeaways, not just us, you know, sitting around here in the, in the reception here, but also the other Brentford fans and what they thought exactly of that match. And it is in the pride of West.London in their post match podcast. Like, let's get that up. Anyway, we're going to go back to Manchester, back to our guest from the pre match podcast, Dave Mooney. He's going to give us his post-match takeaways hi everyone it's david mooney here from the blue moon podcast again uh thanks for having me back to review the the game on wednesday night um yeah in terms of of a performance i thought city were i thought city were not fantastic i didn't think they were at the best but i thought they uh, they did enough to get the job done um and i think partly one of the reasons why city were not at the best is because brentford made it made it very difficult to play um they you guys did that thing that i'd said about cutting out the passes from from the the center backs to to rodri um, and I guess Guardiola was kind of expecting that because the the, the little bit of a curveball in the lineup was was obviously John Stones at, at right back instead of Kyle Walker, um, and so they used Stones in in the build up instead of instead of Rodri, um, and that that kind of was uh, was was enough to get the job done. Um, so I thought that I thought the City performance, uh, if I was to give it a mark out of ten, I would probably say something in the region of about seven seven out of ten. It was a good good solid display. Um, but uh, but not one of the best ones of the season, largely down to, to how Brentford made it difficult to, to play against. Um, and I think uh, I think um, Thomas Frank said afterwards that that he was pretty pleased with with how few chances he'd restricted City to over over the two games. And I think he's absolutely right um, in terms of, of atmosphere and support. Um, I thought you guys were loud. You were I could tell from the away from the uh, the home end that uh, that you were enjoying your uh, your, your night up in Manchester. Um, I have a bit of a bee in my bonnet about uh, pretty much every every away side coming to the Etihad and, and singing "Where were you when you were shit?" Because we, I mean, we were we were largely famed for having a good follower base when we were dogging around the third tier with uh, you know the, the the time when we ended up um, uh, winning the playoff final against Gillingham in the last few minutes. We were we were taking we had a constant twenty eight to thirty thousand at Main Road. Um, so now it's uh, now that now that city have uh, have won the lottery in effect and 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 got to the top of the uh, the football pyramid, uh, we're apparently not loyal supporters anymore. But that's not a problem that's exclusive to Brentford. It's something that uh, that happens pretty much every week these days. Um, and if I were to give I've, again, if I were to give the opposition uh, fans marks out of ten, uh, it's probably a good six seven out of ten for uh, for for atmosphere. You were loud. You were uh, you were back in your team. And uh, and yeah, I thought uh, I thought it was a good uh, a good atmosphere, a good game, and uh, glad to get out of there with the three points. Who who in the Brentford team caught your eye? Um, the cog. Uh, I think Rico was pretty outstanding. He had a tough evening and really showed the kind of determination, the pace, uh, the the will to win. And obviously, he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing, but. I thought he was he was really good, and 
you know, I, I, I do think, you know, he wasn't in the same class, but I thought Godos really, you know, uh, didn't let anyone down last night. The Liberal. I agree, I agree very much about Rico. If I had to choose another player, I would have thought uh, Aya um, had quite a good, yeah. solid game uh, in, in defence, um, as, did, as did Ethan, actually. So, you know, the, 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 I'd choose those two. For me, I mean, I, I say most weeks, I think Christian Norgard, I mean, there's some people that are complaining that he didn't have a great few games beforehand and needs to get back on his game. But I mean, it's a difficult game for him trying to control that midfield. But I thought that, you know, Norgard had a good game um, under difficult circumstances. And I thought that he actually, uh, I thought he played actually very well for the bees um, yesterday. Like I said to you, like I said to you, listen, it wasn't the case that we were world beaters. I think that, I think a case for this game that we saw ourselves get whipped 4-1 you know, quite badly at Everton, an Everton team who lost to, you know, who are potentially kind of one of our rivals for relegation and, you know, they lost to one of our rivals for relegation t- a couple of days afterwards. So I think that's sent a few alarm bells in people's heads to think, hold on a second, if they're, be- if they're beating us 4-1 and they're going and they're beating, you know, they're getting beaten by one of our relegation rivals, where do we sit in this whole thing? And there's a lot of people who are very different to me who I'm saying that I still don't think we're going to go down, but a lot of people are saying, actually, hold on a second, you know, I think you need to kind of hold off on those thoughts. We'll talk about that when we talk about the league recap in a little bit. Um, Brentford, I'll catch our position, uh, danger person. <laughs> it's hard to choose one, isn't it? Um, Mares looked good. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I genuinely couldn't t- take somebody I thought, I thought, because as Lewis rightly pointed out, Man City were in second gear last night and you know nobody absolutely shone or put in a you know match winning performance because they didn't need to um, but yeah I sorry Bill I can't actually choose one I put the whole team oh, oh yeah that's not like you sitting on the fence there liberal is it like you know uh, the cog uh, I think uh, Cancelo looked really good last night uh, there was one run that he did which was pretty sensational actually and uh yeah, he just looked quite classy, a really good all-round player. And, and De Bruyne uh, was a threat. I think he's the one player at City who's got the licence to uh, take risks, do the unexpected, you know, try the killer pass, shoot from distance. And he's, he's a, an incredible player. It was interesting last night as well, seeing his work rate. He was uh, absolutely closing down with the best of them and... When we had uh, Brian got cl- almost got clear at one point, it was quite uh, telling. I think that De Bruyne was one of the players who got back and was suddenly like surrounding him. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. for me, both both you've got them both as well. Cancelo and De Bruyne, two absolute quality players. But as Liberal says, they're they're, quite, they're not a bad team. Are they? They're not a bad team at all. Tell you something. Let's 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 move on to the stinker of the game. And I'm going to start off on this one, actually, because, you know, because I, I don't want to be usurped, because if you go last, sometimes <laughs> you actually get usurped. And for me, actually, I think the stinker of the game was the fact that we literally got caught out offside every time. Yeah. We were, we were, there were so many offsides, and, and, it, and it was not having to go at the referee. It was like, you know, they got them right. Literally, we were just, their offside trap was, was unbelievable. Well, it's, oh. also, it's also Canos not used to be playing in that role. Yeah. It was Canos caught offside. 10 times or something it's because he's not looking through the line and that's because he's not used to playing that role yeah and Wieser as well when he came on he was like someone said I think he was offside more than he actually touched the ball you know but when you're in a game like this when you're really living off scraps you've got to be you know you can't be offside like 10 times plus in a game that's just uh, you know you've got to hold on to things when you've actually got the ball when you've actually got an opportunity to attack you cannot uh, spoil it by uh, being offside and I agree that was really disappointing last night yeah yeah I mean just just coming to it I mean I'm just going to know was for you was there a key moment in that game for, for you know well what was the key moment the award of their penalty uh, which was a penalty um you know, it was right in front of us. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And uh, sounds like I'm picking on the guy. Well, I am because again, it was Sergi who you know tried to dribble his way out of defence, and you can't you can't do that against City. You should have, you need to clear the ball up the field. Tried to dribble his way out of defence, put Roslev in a really difficult position. Sterling 
who is a master at winning penalties, and I mean that in a positive, not a negative way, um, because it what clearly was a penalty. If we'd gone in at nil-nil at half-time, who knows what the difference would have been, but that, I think, was the turning point. And that was very close to half-time as well. I it think. Was. I mean, I was looking at the clock and I was thinking, wow, we're going to go downstairs, yeah. have a good chat yeah. amongst all the fans beneath the stands, talking about that like, we've, we've held Man City to a nil-all, at half time again so that you can imagine the deflation in the dressing room after sort of kind of just conceding a goal and a penalty as well not a goal in open play so close to half time yeah and for me if it wasn't that it was the second goal because we rightly or wrongly were still in the game at 1-0 and uh, you know that that was it was such a, a, a terrible error really the second one of the game uh, and so it just explain that. Sorry, you have to explain. The, oh, the, sorry. The this this is uh, Ray. Uh, kind of a little bit like uh, happened against Liverpool when it was Fernandez in goal. Tried to play uh, the ball to Norgard, who was just under incredible pressure. City got the ball. Sterling had a had a pop. Uh, Ray made a brilliant save actually, but there was De Bruyne for the rebound, uh, and it just killed us. Yeah, we're never going to come back from two now. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, I, can't, I think it's hard to deny, you know, those two. Um, I think it's hard to deny those two. I think the, the, the first penalty, I think for me, is probably the key moment as well. I mean, I'm looking also at like Rico Henry. Actually, probably had the best chance of the bees on just before half time. Just after, yeah. I think it was just after their goal as yeah. well. You know, yeah, where we could have equalised, and uh, if we. Um, yeah, if we had equalised then, which was not unlikely because I, th- I thought there was, there was probably the only moment in the game where I saw Man City actually kind of sort of, there's a panic from them, you know. Um, I think there was one in the second half as well. I'm not sure. I don't, I'm not sure if there's one in the second half as well where it was, uh, I think it might have been uh, Onyeka as well, possibly as well, had a bit of a pop. Um, I think there's a 10% chance actually looking at the, the, the stats on that one. But yeah, but for me... That moment is if we had scored then, then it could be a completely and utterly different game. But we didn't score, and it's about taking the chances, as they say. Listen, I mean, we've been talking quite a lot about the Man City game and how Brentford play Man City, but also we've got a man who actually tries to lighten the moment as well. We've got JB in with this facts and funk. He's got some Man City match facts and some funk. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. Wednesday's game under lights was our last scheduled weekday game of the season, as the remaining 14 will be in the afternoon of a weekend, unless outside forces such as TV companies or the weather intervene. Never in our league history have we had a run-in to the end of the season without evening games. Although only conceding two at Manchester City, it was our 11th league game without a clean sheet. We've not had a run like that since the start of the 2015-16 season under Marius Dijkhausen and Lee Carsley. We had kept two clean sheets in the last two games of the previous season under Mark Warburton, although the 11 that preceded that were also without a clean sheet. David Button was in goal for all of those 24 games. Josh De Silva made his Premier League debut and ended the game with Christian Norgard in midfield. With both having suffered long-term injuries, they haven't actually started a league game together since the fourth game of last season in October 2020, and we've played 79 competitive games since then. So there's JB with his Man City facts and his Man City funk. And um, actually, I'm not going to talk about those facts because some of them are quite upsetting, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Where does he get them from? I can't believe it. We got up this morning and we said, right, we said, right, we need to record a podcast. And Jamie goes, okay, I've got some facts for you. I mean, literally, he must have these facts under his bed. He just pulls them out. Next minute, he's like, 20 minutes late, he sent them over. So Christ almighty, he's been sitting up all night, just sort of kind of, just getting all the facts from the game and everything and from the past 40 years. Brilliant, JB. Absolutely great job. Don't forget as well, also, if you go to his, uh, his Twitter, if you, it's, in, it's going to be in the description box here as well. He's got a book which is out at the moment now. Um, I, I'm, I'm really rubbish because, you know me, I can't remember half the things, whatever they are. But it's a great book. It's a great facts and funk book by JB. I think if you go to his Twitter handle, you'll see he's been good at reading it and giving you all the information on it. But it's, it's got lots of very, very good facts and funk in the JB book. Anyway, 
we're going to talk about something which is probably a little bit easier for us to talk about because this is what it was about about the kicking football out of football the away day <laughs> all right so i'm going to ask you a liberal nick how was the away day for you how was the atmosphere how was the stadium how was the vibe how was everything for you how has your how's your last 24 hours been uh been been really good uh good drive up from 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 deepest dartmoor uh arrived met up you know a few bevies alcohol bevies stuck struck before the game in some decent pubs and decent bars in Manchester great city because um, everything is within walkable distance including the Etihad actually which I had not first time visit to the Etihad um, walkable from the city centre uh, it is a looks pretty good on the outside as a stadium I mean we're getting used to these big stadiums now being in the Premier League you know um, it's uh, it's got a better atmosphere and vibe I feel than Tottenham's um, or certainly better than Arsenal's as well where we're going in a couple of weeks time um, the whole experience excellent the only downside only downside was it's been a while since and I think probably my first experience in the Premier League since we've had the coins and bottles thrown from the home fans um, that was disappointing so um, when so when did that happen could you explain because people uh, weren't there uh, there was a bit of a uh, there was a bit of a Ruckus! It, when they scored their second goal, City fans decided that the way they would celebrate it was by chucking a few coins over and chucking a few bottles, which contained hopefully to, to where into the into the away section, into the away section, uh, which uh, hit a couple of us. You know, fortunately, no permanent damage or, or severe damage, but disappointing to see. I mean, you know, the, the City fans. I, Difficult to know because the Brentford fans, we sang all night, as our voices probably testify. And I thought there was a good atmosphere from the Brentford fans. City fans, I like all these big teams. They they think that Brentford, you know, probably not don't create the atmosphere that that they should do. Uh, couldn't hear much of it. So yeah, shit, Man City shit, fans are down. Shit on the shoe, yet. shit on your shoe, yeah. Yeah. Almost, yeah, yeah, <laughs> almost, almost. But I think actually the other thing about these get about about these big teams when they play Brentford is, you know, some of the fans who perhaps don't get the tickets for the United Derby or the Liverpool game or the Chelsea game can get a chance of getting their their, their hands on tickets for when they play Brentford and you know, they're they're not the people who create the atmosphere. So, um, again, you know, sweeping statement, but listen, you're allowed to say what you want to because everyone has their own opinion. You Thank know. you very much, just Mr. Cause, Grant. Just because yes, you don't right. get to games week in and week out doesn't mean that you can't sing, but anyway, we, we should move on for that. The cog. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the before and after was brilliant. I agree, Manchester's a, a, a really uh, good place, uh, particularly in terms of, you know, decent pubs and bars. Uh, the game itself... Uh, you know, I agree the stadium is impressive, but there is a just a sense of it being a bit soulless, you know. And actually, I feel a little bit the same about watching the team because, like Nick said, they are incredibly impressive, and you've got to admire them. But actually, it, it is a risk-free game that they play. You know, there's not the the, the joy and the passion of watching a Liverpool game, for instance. And we, took, and we talked about that a few weeks ago on the podcast where we we're sort of kind of comparing Liverpool and Man City and saying, yeah, they're great, but, you know, not knocking their football, but com- in comparison, it's, it's a little bit boring. And whereas the Liverpool fans were saying, actually, we want to be more Man City because we don't <laughs> like the fact yeah. that we kind of like, you know, might draw a game three all or like yeah. lose a game four three or, or win a game four three. Twelve points don't lie, though. No, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, uh, you know, we saw that again last night. We saw it at at our place as well. But uh, part of it is just really watching two teams are very different in terms of quality. But there is that attack against defence field to most uh, sides' performances against City. And uh, so, yeah, but all in all, a good day. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, and for me... uh Again, it's one of those ones. Again, I drove up with Laney. Good, good chat in the car on the way up. Actually, did the old hotel and everything like that. You know, the the pre-match again. We found the bar that we normally we've been at this bar for about ten years. You know, or even more than ten years yeah, actually. Yeah. You know, the Port Street. You know, little kind of you know, very good beers. When we played Oldham. Yeah, that's right. Back when we played Oldham. I mean, how many years ago is that? That was in Division. That was in Division One. You know, My, yeah, 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 so yeah, it's yeah, in Division yeah, One. Yeah, so yeah. we're talking about over ten years ago. So we've been going to this bar and, and going back into it now. Obviously, with the the beers now being uh, kind of sort of kind of moved into hipster world now, <laughs> this bar has gone from being sort of a little old bar saying good old beers to a 
bar that lots of people start to come to. So there was actually a really good atmosphere before the match. Uh, loads of bees inside there, just like loads. We basically took the place over, like you know what I'm saying. So so it's a good vibe before the match, like you're saying. Um, going to Manchester, City. I've actually been to Manchester City before to see a match. Obviously not a Brentford match, but I actually went to see AFC Wimbledon win the playoff final against Luton when they actually got. <laughs> when they got into the league so they were Lovely. in the conference and uh, I came up on a AFC Wimbledon coach with a mate Chris Phillips and all that lot you know and Iggy and uh, yeah and I, and I couldn't see it. So that's the first time I went to the Etihad and, and, and at that stage I have to admit I was not um, impressed at all um, yeah so I'm not impressed at all with it so but you know this is the way that it, that's the way that's the way it goes and I've come back again today and uh, you know yesterday and uh, it's still fairly soulless as I, I believe because it's a big stadium mm. better atmosphere you say than Everton and all that lot yes without a shadow of a doubt you know not Everton better atmosphere than um, than, than Tottenham yeah, Sorry. Tottenham, yeah. yeah better atmosphere than Tottenham but again it's one of those stadiums that kind of leaves me a little bit cold I'm glad that I came in saw it with Brentford you know whether or not you come back here season in and season out like you know it's a different scenario whereas there's you know certain stadiums that I would go to you know I'll go back to Newcastle because I like the town I like yeah, the, the vibe yeah. you know there's, there's different things but you know um that's kind of it but 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 for another day we've had a great we had a great night afterwards every all of us lot were back in the bar until two o'clock in the morning there's loads of bees that are out and it was really nice we're sitting down there a lot of chatting just you know a lot of catching up and uh you know we haven't, I haven't done a marks out of 10 for this whole podcast actually so i'm gonna give it um i think i'm gonna give it eight out of ten uh yeah i'll give it i'll give it nine uh and i'll give it eight okay it's good so listen um i'm gonna ask you just quickly fair um Fairness factor. 85. Now I understand what the fairness yes. factor is required for those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast. 85. 85%. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, and the cook? Yeah, and I'll, I'll go 90%. I think there probably was two goals difference. Okay, and I've gone at 90. I actually went 98 on the fairness factor and uh, the actual fairness factor was actually 88 I was oh, you see I'm, I understand see, it now I've got the I've got the method the Liberals <laughs> gone to fairness school right, you know, and I'm not not very happy about that actually <laughs> oh brilliant yeah so there, there he goes he's so happy with himself like you know but anyway we, we shall move on from that um, to be fair um, to be fair <laughs> And the reason why is that you know Man City had massive great big blobs. They had they had one two three four. Obviously the penalty and a couple of couple of couple of big chances in the area and then a couple of smaller chances in the area. They didn't they didn't create a loads of, of of big quality chances. And I think that probably reflects the fact that they were uh, didn't get out of second gear. But saying that from an XG level two point zero six for Man City to zero point five six, we had a couple of chances in the area. Like I said to Rico Henry and Onyeka, I think were the sort of the two main chances we had. We had another smaller chance in that as well in the area, and they had you know the penalty. And a few other sort of kind of larger chances. So I think that reflects the 2 0 score as it is. So, uh, league recap. Now we've got to talk about this, all right? The league recap. So, everyone knows that I've been saying that I don't think we're going to go down, and everyone keeps coming up to me going, right, Bill, you seem a little bit confident about this. And every time we lose and uh, the teams below us pick up a point here or there, it becomes a little bit more precarious. Now, all I will say is that Brentford on 14th place, 24 games played with 23 points. Uh, just below us in 15th place are Leeds United, 23 points as well. Then Everton, 16th place with 19 points. There's a bit of a gap there. And then you've got Newcastle with 18 points. Norwich with 17 points. Watford with 15 points, played 22. And then Burnley, who have played two, three games less than us, four games less even, up from 20 games, um, and they've got 14 points. So, you know, looking at Norwich City, you know, we're talking about a six-point gap between them and us, which was a lot tighter than it was a few weeks ago. And if you consider the fact that we're playing Norwich in a few weeks' time, we're playing Burnley in a few weeks' time, you could see kind of how uh, squeaky bum yep. it's going to be getting. Um League position, um, just liberal. What's, what's your reflection? What's your thoughts? Uh, league position is uh, where we are. Fourteenth is fair um, because we had that good start to the season. Um, we haven't. We've what? We've won one and drawn three since October. So our run of form ain't you know it ain't brilliant. Um, and I know you you deride me for this, Bill, but I actually do think games in hand does count. Um, and I think you know Burnley have played four games less than us. You know, Norwich have played one game less than us. Um, we we played most games of all the of all the teams that are in and around 
that, that relegation zone. I mean, yeah, it's squeaky bum time. I think Newcastle bought well in the transfer window. Um, other people have derided me for that, but I saw their game against Everton on Monday, and I thought uh, Newcastle had some vim and vigour about them, whereas Everton were rather the reverse. Um, Norwich have started to pick up the odd result and, and they draw. Uh, Watford and Burnley, I think. I think we are battling for what is uh, going to be that 18th space. That's why you know we're only a point behind, two points behind Palace. You know, so all things could change on Saturday, depending upon what that result is. I mean, it's going to be a mix and match going into the season. Two things. I don't. One, I'm really keen to avoid that we don't have that final game of the season needing to get something out of a match against Leeds because Leeds are such an unpredictable team. Um, their result last night, you know, they came back from, from 3-0, was it? 3-0, 3-1, I think they were losing at Villa, came back to draw 3 all. They're such an unpredictable team. Um, uh, I don't think they'll get relegated either. I don't think, and if you were to ask me now, do I think Brentford will get relegated? I'm going to say no, but we've got to fight and scrap and it may get dirty and ugly. The cog. Yeah, I mean, I think that those three games that are coming up next month are going to be absolutely key against the, the teams who are close to us. I think Everton, I've got my eye on as a team that uh, could well uh, end up in the bottom three. Uh, I think Newcastle will pull clear. I think, like Nick said, I would agree with them. I think they fought very well, actually, in the, in the window. Uh, and Burnley have got history of, of uh, escaping the drop so I'm kind of got an eye on Norwich, Watford, Everton, Leeds will be there as well and you never know Palace could get uh, sucked into this as well particularly if we get a result on Saturday. So okay so this is interesting because you mentioned Everton uh, we went to Everton on Saturday and we got thumped by them uh, a lot of people talk about new manager bounce does it exist doesn't it exist that's a that's a very good question but they obviously got some sort of bounce because I thought Everton were potty for it on Saturday but then they lost to Newcastle they lost to one of our rivals in the relegation battle um, quite heavily okay a couple of well, last night so what does that say about us what does that say about Everton is the question that I want to ask you know Everton are they a team who um, to be quite honest with you because when they played us they were terrible they were, they were really terrible, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, they're still in the mire. They're still, I mean, I thought Everton, after seeing them play on Saturday, I thought they ain't going to be, they ain't gonna be in, the, in the mixer. But they're very much so. And uh, in a way, that's quite a good thing for us, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I think it is. I, I think that, you know, the result on Saturday was perhaps a bit misleading. Uh, it was a cup game. Uh, we really weren't at our best. And I think we made Everton look better than they really are. I'm not convinced about Lampard's managerial record. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I think Newcastle have appointed a, a better manager than Lampard. Uh, you could say the same about Dean Smith at Norwich as well, and probably Hodgson at Watford. So there's some good managers around there, and I just, I'm just not sure about Everton's ability. I think Calvert Lewin coming back will make a difference for them, but. Uh, you know, it's not the strongest squad. New, New, in the transfer window, Newcastle bought to ensure that they remain in the Premier League yeah. for this year. Um, I don't think Everton did. I think Everton bought with an eye to being in qualifying for a Europe place in Europe. Um, and so their transfer strategy was slightly, you know, slightly awry. Um, and I wonder, you know, I wonder again if, on reflection. Phil Giles and the team might think: Did we did our transfer uh, did our transfer strategy during the last window? Was where did we actually end up um, thinking we would be ending up? Obviously, I think they they decided we're, we're okay. We're, we're you know the percentages will show that we'll stay up this year, um, and they're buying for forward for looking forward for next year. But um, you know. Have we bought enough of the relegation battle? Yeah, we've probably, we probably just got enough there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's sort of kind of, you know, listen, fair enough, you know, everyone's allowed to sort of change their views, you know, as the season goes on, which is fair enough. I mean, I'm going to sort of stick with the guns for now, but I'm, I'm probably getting a little bit, looking at that, um, looking at that league table, I'm probably getting a little bit more kind of squeaky bum. I'm pretty certain that at the start of the season, I said we'd finish between 14th and 17th. At the moment, I'm being proved right. <laughs> 
yeah. Well, t- tell you something. I mean, we, we, we always look at this in 538. Um, you know, 538 um, obviously gives us the predictions for the season. Um, and this is important because, you know, we, we don't want to go down. Um, they still have Norwich bottom of the league, finishing on 28 points with 84 chance of relegation then they have Watford second bottom with 30 points on 70 percent chance of relegation then after that they have Burnley third from bottom okay and Burnley they have got 33 points so there's a big gap between the bottom two there 48 percent chance of relegation then Newcastle in the, just the one off the relegation spot so it actually gets out of relegation with 48 percent chance of relegation with 34 points then Everton just above them at 37 points with 25 percent chance of relegation and Brentford just above them with 40 points on 10 percent chance of relegation so they've got us 29 80 17 15 finishing 15 which I think we'll take that all day long Leeds United finishing above us with 41 points and 9 percent chance of relegation they've got Crystal Palace who we're playing on Saturday with 3 percent chance of relegation finishing on 44 so you know they, they actually put a bit of a gap between us and Everton and a bit of a gap between us and Newcastle and then you know so if that, if that if that plays out as it's as it's meant to that is actually uh, that is actually good that's a good result yeah and actually that accords that accords pretty much with my thinking I don't know about you Lewis you know? uh, see, you, may, you know, now, you, now you've done your fairness uh, you. you've, yeah. done, you, you've done your fairness lessons as well you've done your XG lessons you, you, you're, all, you're, a, you're a statistical genius don't you the Liberal <laughs> not certain about XG not still <laughs> still not totally convinced about XG yeah, right. but you know that'll come up sure yeah right. okay so listen so listen just quickly summing up just give us a quick summing up the Liberal uh, summing up of what sorry Bill we'll sum up we're okay we're okay we'll, we'll scrape enough points to, to, to stay up uh, and I think let's not go into the squeaky bum time I hope that you know the next month Lewis said is the important month win, win two of those games we'll be fine yeah and I think that what I'd add as well is that we do have some momentum in terms of players returning you know, Josh De Silva getting a few minutes last night. He wasn't as superb as he was at Everton, actually. That was really exciting to see up at Goodison Park, the impact he had on the game. But again, he kind of, you know, looked good last night, you know, getting some fitness back. We've got Raya back, who apart from the error last night, really looked back, you know, back to his best. Uh, we've got Ericsson coming in, you know, and we've got a load of other players who are, you know, really kind of beginning to shine again Aya being a good example that's right and again you, you, you've summed up a lot of the points same there for me you know listen, it was Manchester City don't forget um, we did look better you know there's a little bit of a fear um, but um, when, when, when you go into these games we lose games that we're going to come back and we're going to be a terrible team but I think th- things like that is a bit of a wake up call for Beast fans to say actually we're not that bad a side we did what we had to do you know Fulham went there and I know they're in the championship but Fulham are steaming scoring goals of plenty in the championship and they came a cropper 4-1 against Manchester City on Saturday you know I don't even know Man City played their first team to be quite honest with you like, you know, but they got they got pulled to pieces you know what I'm saying and so you know us going up there losing 2-0 to a penalty and to a basically a bit of a fluff you know it's not all that bad for us so you know I think it sets us up nicely going into Palace where we can actually be positive going into Palace to say look look what you've done here you know now keep that up now and, and a little bit more you know we might have Christian Eriksen come off the bench we never know on Saturday you never know I'm not saying that this is from no information that I've heard I'm just sort of thinking you know and all those things may actually just give us and give the crowd a bit of a boost can I just move on Christian Eriksen the point I've always wanted to make he's not going to be the saviour he's not going to be the saviour he, yeah. he's going to fit into our team structure he's obviously going to help us but let's not think that Christian Eriksen is the one person who's going to get out of the relegation. The rest of the team are going to benefit from playing with Christian Eriksen and having his knowledge and experience around. But he is not the saviour. So, you know, don't let's put all our hopes no, I don't, in the chips and basket. I don't think we are, and we definitely not. Me and Lane have talked about this a lot. He's not the saviour, but the flip side that you have to think about it is that he can play in more than one position. You know what I'm saying? He's a, he's a very good player and he just doesn't play in one position. Yeah. And the fact is his versatility can actually kind of really help us out because we've been struggling when we've got players out in positions and then you put in their substitute players and they're, you know, with all due respect, probably not quite as good. So I think that's where it may actually play into our hands where Christian Eriksen may be playing middle, he might be playing off the, you know, off the, off the, off the striker. He might actually be out on the wing. You know, there's, there's, there's all sorts of different positions we play at. And so I think with Thomas Frank, he's probably getting quite excited that he's not necessarily wedded to one particular formation. He probably thinks, actually, I can play 
two or three different styles if I've got this player who is who's very, very flexible. Yeah, and I, and I think it's interesting actually mentioning formations there, and it has there has been a bit of talk about switching from three or what well, last night was obviously five at the back to four, and I'd really like to see that actually, and I think. Uh, I uh, switching to right back feels to me like something that is well worth a go and I totally agree I think the fact that Ericsson and Josh De Silva as well can play in several different positions is really going to help us actually but we need to try and get the 11 best players on, on, on the pitch so it's interesting so you're saying if you switch from a three at the back to two at the back so you're saying keep Pontus in, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I am, yeah. I'd have him, uh, Pinnock's got to play, Rico's got to play, and I think Pontus, he might get exposed a bit more, but uh, Aya looks to me like very adaptable, and he loves pushing forward from, from right back, so I think that's worth a go. Okay, because again, there's a bit of a, you know, liberal, you're going to say, there's a bit of a conversation in the yeah, podcast, yeah, right, yeah. as I to, mean, if, you have, if you had to remove one of the centre backs... Well, which one would you remove? And I'm going to put it out here and now and get derided for it. I'd remove Pontus. I mean, you know, great player, good good leader, but has been exposed a couple of times this season, at least a couple of times this season. And I think if you are going to move, change, change that formation, I'm not entirely certain that Pontus has got the pace and the speed in the, in the limit to, given his age, you know, given, um, to, to be able to, to help us out. So sadly, I think Pontus might be the one that loses out on that one. So that who, creates some interesting team dynamics. So, so who would be right back then? Higher. But then... Then, hold a second. Then who's going to be the other centre back? Uh, you've got Pinnock. Uh, Pinnock. What are we playing? Sorry, what is are... Pontus is gone. Yeah. Pinnock's there on his own at the moment because Raya's right back. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. So you've got sorry. So you've you bring got, him, you bring yeah, in Mads. Pushing, sorry, you've got Mads backs. Oh, you bring it. So you bring in Mads back instead yeah, yeah, of Pontus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, controversial and interesting. Okay. Well, right. uh, Mads backs has uh, he had Mads back had had a. a iffy game on, on, on Saturday at Everton but the rest of the time I think he's performed okay, you know. okay. All right. and he's got pace okay yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, well I'm kind of I'm reassured by if you I think you can still have Pontus there because you've got such pace alongside him with, with Rico and uh, Ayer in particular Pinnock's no slouch either so I think you can just about uh, get away with it if you like uh, I, I was worried by Mads Beck's performance at Everton. He was really shocking, actually. Yeah. And he, he just... My, my wor- I think he's a good defender, but I think he can look very uncomfortable just with simple passes, actually. He can make a meal of them. So, But, but yeah, I, I do know what you mean about Pontus. You know, I think he would probably be your 10th or 11th uh, name on the team sheet, in fact. But... Uh, I, I think he could be protected because of the pace uh, you, you have alongside him in the back line. OK, right. So, look, we're going to look forward to the match on Saturday. We've got Crystal Palace coming to New Griffin Park. Three o'clock kickoff at New Griffin Park. God, that's a novelty, isn't it? Like, you know, looking forward to that. We've got lots of Palace um, chums. I'm going to be going out on a bit of a pub crawl before the game again with the Palace chums, which is all good, like, you know what I'm saying? So, I think the Kevin Day might be out as well. I've got the old Toby from the Dulwich Hamlet posse as well. He's going to be down as well and I don't know who else is going to be out sort of having a few drinks which is all good I'm looking forward to it however we need to find out some information on Crystal Palace because there's a lot has happened since we played them at the beginning of the season we're going to go to Dia from Back of the Nest podcast and he's going to give us the lowdown on Crystal Palace what's going on guys it's D here from Back of the Nest for the preview of the Brentford game um, coming back from Norwich late last night, coming away with only one point once again. I'm going to be giving you my thoughts ahead of the game. So let's get straight into it and let's talk a bit about Vieira um, and how he's been so far this season. I think Patrick Vieira coming into the season, he was the underdog. He was the one that no one expected at Palace really because we were after other managers. But You know, looking at what he's done so far, and even when he did officially get announced, me personally, and I think many Palace fans will slightly agree with me, of course, some had their concerns due to his lack of experience, is that I liked it because Crystal Palace as a football club has 
always, always been the underdogs. Even when we first got promoted to the Premier League, we shouldn't have stayed up and we managed to do the incredible and stay up in 2010. We weren't going to be a football club and once again, we managed to solve it one way or another. So, Vieira coming into the job, he has a point to prove and he can grow as a manager. So, I like the, um, his appointment and, you know, so far this season, I'm happy with it and I think us Palace fans are as well because we've brought in lots of new players and his tactics is completely different to what we've seen under Roy Hodgson. So he's bedded in well, the players are bedded in well. Of course there are going to be rooms for improvements and that's natural because we're not the likes of City or United or any of them big clubs where you bring in world-class players and everything gets solved in a matter of, you know, days and weeks. Well, you can argue, you look at United, it doesn't get solved for years. But you know what I mean? Um, we haven't got that wealth, but considering that, we brought in good talented players, but, you know, we've had a bit of time to adjust. And so far this season, it's all good. We, we haven't really talked about relegation. I know we'll talk about it later on. Um, but, yeah, it's been a comfortable season and we've done good in FA Cup. So we're on a cup run, comfortable in the league and all around, I think it's been great for us. Um, when you look at our results early in the season, when we faced you guys, my thoughts on that game was, you know, it was, it was pretty... It was a nil-nil. I remember it being nil-nil. It was quite a long way ago now, if you think about it. But yeah, it was a bit dull. I feel like both teams back then, you guys were in form as well. And I remember approaching to the game and talking to Billy on our channel ahead of it. And, you know, talking about your success. You beat Arsenal and you were flying high. We had to take you guys seriously. I think Brentford are still not a joke now. But we're very, very good and, you know, one of the teams most feared about. And we remember in that game that I don't think we created that many chances. I don't think you guys created that many chances. It was it was a, it was not boring, you know, but there wasn't really much to talk about in that game. My expectation before the game was that hopefully we go and get a win because, you know, we're playing at home. But then again, due to you guys' form, I didn't really expect us to go and, you know, beat you guys easily. So it, it, it slightly went as expected. Both teams didn't do much and cancelled each other out. And I thought it was a decent game of tactical battle for that game. And, you know, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a game where I thought that, you know, um, both teams should have won or one team missed out um, personally from what I can remember anyways <laughs> quite a while ago now but in terms of my actual thoughts of Brentford this season from the outside look when you get promoted to the Premier League it is not an easy task to stay up now you might be talking about your recent form you might be talking about how you should have won this game should have done that better but as Paris fans and I, I guess the Premier League has changed now we've been in the league for about nine years eight years you will have a lot of hurdles you will this is natural and also when you're looking at your squad in terms of quality you've got some quality players there don't get me wrong but it's not up there it can massively improve if you're asking for my honesty it can massively improve and i think it will improve as the as times go on you've got some quality players there but you know there's some areas that maybe you can improve on so my thoughts is brentford this season staying up should be the task and as long as you uh, do that that don't be worried about it if you've got good people running your football club if you've got a solid foundation to build up upon um well, i'm going to be first i'm going to your you guys a new stadium as well um which looks great from the outside and I'll, I'll be experiencing but you built a new stadium as well all the fundamentals are there all you have to do is stay up and you know early season form it was great late season form not so great, and I think Brentford fans would agree. But at the end of the day, right now, as we're speaking, Brentford are not in the relegation zone. And are not maybe comfortably away from it, but they look like they could stay up. I truly believe that. They look like they could stay up, and that's the most important thing. Stay up this season. That's all you need to do. That's all I can say about Brentford's season so far. Great early form, later form, maybe catching up to them Premier League football. But you're outside the relegation zone and that is all that matters because you will build on that. And talking about relegation zone and maybe looking at Paddy's side of things, which interestingly we haven't spoken about at all this season up until maybe yesterday's game at Norwich because we've 
only won one game away from home this season. Um, and when you're looking at that, you're thinking, wait, Palace have only won one away from home all season. Yeah, <laughs> only one. But despite that, we are still, um, would you say comfortably? <laughs> We're still 13th in the league, three points off the top 10 because of our home form. But in terms of relegation, I don't think, I don't think we will be worried about going down because our, as I said, it's our way form that's pretty much been costing us um, and that's due to us not being consistent enough. In, for example, the second half of the Norwich game, we looked like a side that's fighting for Europe. In the first half, we looked like we were Burnley, with all due respect, you know, fighting relegation and couldn't create nothing and just looked lost out there. So our waveform has been like that um, pretty much all season long. And we, we're looking after yesterday's game. There has been, you know, talk about it. We are looking to improve on it because it is getting a bit worrying, I guess, because it's unacceptable um, considering the teams that we played against Burnley, even Leeds at home against Arsenal, we're winning, conceded last second. So we need to be better at, at playing away from home and holding on to these leads and actually getting the wins, which we haven't done. But I think our home form will keep us up, um, even if our away form does continue like this. Our home form has been great. And all the big teams, we've already faced them away from home. And next up is just uh, facing them at home at Sellers Park, which has been very great for us this season. So I think on the whole, we will stay up. And... Um, which team that has um what team has surprised you the most this season as in eva has been better than expected um i think the team that surprised me the most this season that's a very good question um maybe you can say leeds leeds have been surprising for us um this season as an, as neutrals watching the premier league because of what they've done last season um but for me it, it pretty much goes back down to their injury concerns so that, that's been the main reason why they've been down there another team that's maybe surprising on the radar is Southampton even though they started the season off pretty slow they've, they've got back into it and they're, they're looking like a solid team they're looking like a solid team that's looking up the table rather than down and they've, they've managed managed to flip uh, flip the switch under Hasunutu so that's been pretty surprising but all around, I feel like it's been a competitive season of Premier League. There's been some interesting results, as we saw it. 20th place Burnley recently drew against Man United at home. So it's been a competitive Premier League season. And that's what I love about it, that any team on their day can go out there and get a point or win. And, you know, it's that's what I love. That's what I love about this league. And what you need to look out for talking a bit bit about this game a bit more rather than the Premier League so what you need to look out for in this Palace team the goods I'll start with is Wilfred Zaha he's back scored a very good goal against um against Norwich yesterday and looked much better in the second half Elise people are starting to talk about him if you haven't watched him so far I'm sure he will show you <laughs> hopefully show you guys what he can do on the weekend you just don't want to leave that guy on a one-on-one because he absolutely destroys defenders very good footwork um and he's just incredibly talented on the ball has the iq as well so he is very dangerous so elise and zaha i'll point out and mark Wayne defense mark Wayne defense is one of the most underrated defenders defenders in the league in all honesty because he has been just phenomenal there's no one can really go past him and yeah again i don't hear conversations about mark way as much as maybe we should so mark way in defense and tyrick mitchell both of them they've, they've been very solid and all them four players i think will stand out of course you've got the likes of conor gallagher and will hughes but if i had to pick the goods i think it'll be them four players and not so good, right back Joel Woods. If you target him, you're gonna enjoy your afternoon. It's gonna be, it's gonna be lovely for you guys. He just look, he hasn't got the pace anymore. We've had to replace our right back since Aaron Wan-Bissaka left. It hasn't happened yet. You might be thinking, what on earth? But yes, I'm on the same page. We got Nathan Ferguson, who's been out injured, and Joel Ward there. Against Norwich, he struggled, especially in the first half. It's just so easy for teams to run past him. And it's sad because he's been at the club for, I think, 10 years. 10 years now, um, or approaching 10 years, or maybe over it. 
So he's been at the club for a long time, but then legs catch up to you and it's just not an easy task for him. So Joel Ward's not so good. Um, and, you know, what type of game that I'll be expecting? I'm expecting a tight contest again. I'm expecting a contest like it was in the home game where we see both teams battling it each out um especially with the tactic side of things i think thomas frank and patrick vieira both not different styles but different formations maybe and i think it's an interesting battle but i'm expecting a better game than the first game maybe more goals because as you said you guys have got struggles yourselves you know you guys haven't been performing that well as of late and for us, our away form has been dreadful. And after this game, I think the players and the management will be looking at each other saying, all right, it's time to kick on. Brentford, with all due respect, haven't been great. So this might be an opportunity for us to get the win. So I think it might be an open game where you guys need to go and get the win. So you're a bit more above the relegation zone. I'm not worried about that. We need to go and get the win because we've been struggling away from home it hasn't been good enough so i think it'll be an exciting game i think it'll be end to end more end to end than we've seen in the first game that i can remember of anyways um so i think it'll be a good contested game with goals i'm expecting goals and in terms of goals i'm a score prediction i'm gonna go for as i, as I said goals 2-1 2-1 ah, palace but it could easily be 2-2 as well i think this could be the game where after what we saw in Norwich, especially in the second half, the players just wake up and approach this game for a minute one and try to get the win. I'm going to go 2-1 Palace, but could easily go 2-2. I think you guys um, have the talent to even beat us as well. But as a Palace fan, you have to back your boy. So I'm going to 2-1 Palace. But look, that's it from me. That's Steve from Back of the Nest for preview. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy the game. I'll be there as well and let the best team win and thank you for having me on so the dr from back of the net crystal palace podcast great podcast go and check it out um you'll see it in the information here as well so the information uh, box you can see it's still early in the morning it'll be late night you know what i'm saying which is all good but listen crystal palace they are good at stealing the ball from their position coming back from losing positions and aerial duels where they're weak though in avoiding individual errors avoiding fouling in dangerous areas defending long shots defending against skillful players and defending set pieces they're very weak so um little opportunities for us there isn't it the Liberal yeah I mean those sound like sort of what you'd expect of a lower mid-table team really um, so yeah definitely um, I'm up for the Palace one uh, the corresponding game at Solos Park I think showed us what the uh, back in start of the season showed us what life in the Premiership was like it was nil-nil um, I think we were um, if I remember rightly I think we were quite lucky in a way we were nil from that I think we might have just managed to squeak it and that's why, you know, I mean, Palace, they, 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 they've obviously improved with Vieira's manager from recent years. I think they're developing a style of football. Um, Zaha is one of those players who um, everybody raves about, but somehow never quite seems to manage to turn all, his, uh, um, all, all the, the, the reviews into solid, consistent performances, because he's obviously quite a good player. Um, what if you're going to ask me what I think really happened? It's one of those games actually that we do need to win. I think you know we are now starting to get to the stage of the season where teams like Palace, teams like Norwich, we ought to be getting a positive result from, and therefore I hope that we go out on the front foot. I think uh, hopefully Ivan's back. If he's not, I think it's going to be an interesting. We've certainly got to start um, Brian um, from from the get go on Saturday if. Uh, if Ivan's not back, um, run at them hard, you know. Do we see, perhaps do we see in the 70th, 80th minute, the appearance of you-know-who? CE21. CE21 coming on, yeah, that's right. And that'll be, you know, I mean, to be in the stadium, to, to see the applause and the roar that he'll get, and hopefully he'll get it from, the, I should think, from the Palace fans too, actually, because I think everybody does love it. It'll be exciting. So, you're going to ask me for a score prediction now? I am going to ask you, Liberal, for... And I'll tell you something, I'm going to come back to you in a second. I'm, going to, speak, I'm going to speak to the cog. Okay, I, th I think Palace are uh, looking increasingly good as an attacking uh, side. You know, I think uh, Eze's back. Uh, Elise looks a wonderful talent. 
uh, with, with a beautiful left foot. Zaha, as Nick said, you know, you never know quite what you're going to get from him, but on his day, he's pretty much unplayable. And Gallagher's looked really good this season. So a couple of decent centre-backs, they've bought really well there. So I think it's going to be... Uh, <laughs> It's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a difficult game. Uh, yeah, not going to be easy at all. Not easy at all. We've got Marcus Gale literally just walked past the reception here as well. He saw the microphones up and he slunk out. He thought, actually, I'm not going to get grabbed by these characters to actually go on the mic. So, uh, so no, which is all good. So, which is funny. So, you've... Um, did you, did, you, did you give a, I just ignored you actually did you give a swap you didn't give one no, did no, no, didn't. no. I, I didn't I didn't ask you for one because I don't want one as yet I'm um, just going to quickly come to this Palace game worried me Palace because Vieira um, has got Palace fans excited with the style of football that he's trying to get them to play um, and they're one of those teams which you know um, you know they could, call, they could cause us problems they're, 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 they're one of these on their team um, on their day teams so on their day they're, sometimes they're brilliant and they're, and they're not you know and other times they're not so I'm, I'm slightly concerned about them I mean I personally didn't actually have them down for uh, or down for a win against us because I was expecting our wins a little bit later in the season possibly like after Arsenal fingers <laughs> crossed however saying that um, looking at the teams creeping up on us I know that we need to get a win um, like I said to you there's a few positive signs Raya back in goal he was he was great last night and I just think that him being back in goal is going to make a massive difference for us as well um, and I think that also like I said to you you know if Bumbuma gets up on, on the pitch and also if this is a slight thigh strain that Tony has as well he'll be back as well so I think that you know we're getting back to slightly more normal Brentford and then if you know C21 comes off the bench that's just going to give us a bit of a boost so I've, I'm actually a bit more positive about this Palace game than I probably would have been about a month ago I'll be quite honest with you so I will going to go around to you and ask you for a score prediction Mr Liberal Nick I think it's going to be tight I think it's going to be 2-1 2 Brentford oh ok there you go home team first okay. home team always that's right the cog <laughs> Uh, I'll go for a one-all draw. I mean, I, I think actually just what's important at the moment is to stop losing. And I don't think the point would be a, 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 a bad result, actually. OK, and I'm going to go for a one-nil tight win to the mighty, mighty bees. <laughs> anyway, listen, this has been the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. Uh, brought to you by Anything Is Possible. AIP.media. Please buy us a beer if you want to. Besotted.com forward slash beer. Thank you, everyone. Spare. Don't forget to go to all your good podcast channels and write a review. And also just like us and just do whatever else you do on your good podcast channels. Oh, yeah, subscribe to us <laughs> as well. Um, we have another podcast, Christ those when, because it's still like, you know, like blurry eyed, like, you know, as it's still coming thick and fast. We'll have one after the weekend at one time. Check it out on Pride of West. London, but other than that, like I said to you, this has been quite nice. First thing in the morning, live from Manchester. We didn't win, but we're quite proud of how our team did. We're going forward, we're going to play Palace. Palace coming down, we've got a C21 coming off the bench. Come on, you bees! You bees! bees. C21. Excited now. Excited. C21. He's not the saviour. Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.